All right, guys, welcome back to the cutting room floor. I am Dom. I am Jamie. And today we're going to be comparing two classic films that are pretty much staples in uh, film history and definitely in the Western genre. Akira Kurosawa's Yojimbo and Sergio Leone's A Fistful of Dollars. Another reason we're comparing these two movies is because A Fistful of Dollars is a direct remake of Yojimbo in a Western format. Guns instead of swords, cowboys instead of samurais. And we wanted to kind of take a look at what works for both of them and what may not work and why certain things just seem to work better the first time around. So how you want to kick this off? You want to start it with uh, the original and talk a little bit about Yojimbo? Yeah, I would say yes, because uh, one, it came out first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So even if it was only three years, it still came out earlier. So Yojimbo. Which is crazy, though, because that just shows you how quick of an impact Yojimbo made. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to remake a movie that fast. He pretty much saw it was like, I need to make a version of this myself. Well, Sergio Leone, I, he, I think he kind of started out the same way kurosawa did because i was reading about kurosawa how he started out as like a i'll say like a production assistant Mm -hmm. so like an assistant director like a screenwriter and and stuff before he actually went into directing and i believe sergio leone did as well Mm -hmm. so he must have uh he must have had access and granted he was italian or is italian Mm -hmm. so well well, he he was he was italian (laughs) so he would have had more I, I guess more access to a film like Yojimbo being in Italy than we probably would have had over here at the time. Yeah, yeah. We didn't get yeah, we didn't get releases, international releases like that. Real big ones back then, you know, but even now we don't get many international releases here in theaters. They gotta be really big. They gotta be money making overseas and stuff like that. So yeah, it still sucks that we don't get access to international films like that unless you live in a major city. So yeah. So I was, uh, I was thinking. So Yojimbo means bodyguard. Mm-hmm. So is the bodyguard a remake of Yojimbo? That's really the question that's been bugging me ever since I watched it. Just because with it's called Kevin and Whitney. Yeah, yeah. Is that in in a way would anything that has to do with a bodyguard sort of be influenced by Yojimbo? And Akira Kurosawa, and I mean, you know, maybe. I, I mean, it's. I mean, the, there's so many, you know, films like that now, or there's a guy protecting a girl, or yeah, you know, the guy protecting the princess, or whatever. And you know, I guess Kurosawa did kind of kick that off. I mean, even with Hidden Fortress, with the whole protecting the princess concept, yeah. Hmm, maybe it's something to think about. Yeah, I, I didn't think about it until just now. Although the bodyguard thing was uh, in the back of my mind when I realized that Yojimbo meant bodyguard. Because that's what I kept thinking. Like, okay. Because, you, you know, you're reading the subtitles and they say it. And that's when you realize it. So, so Yojimbo, should I just kind of do like the basic story? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, it's kind of the beginning of... I wish I could actually read my handwriting because I, I hand wrote this for whatever reason. But I think it's uh, the beginning of, I want to say like a roaming, like warrior, I'll say like trope mm-hmm. in movies where 
uh, Fistful is the same way where it's like, you know, sort of an unnamed character just kind of goes around and engages with other people in some way, shape or form. So Yojimbo is 1860s Japan and he is, uh, he's basically unnamed mm-hmm. and he is, a uh, a, a Ronin or a Ronin, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, it's a Ronin. Ronin. Mm-hmm. A samurai without a master yep. is what he is. And he goes into this town where the officials are corrupt because there's two warlords fighting and they're making money off of the warlords fighting. Like the officials, the town officials. Mm-hmm. The people in the town are suffering. Yes. And he he sees this, so he does what he has to do in order to stop the fighting. Basically, that is, that's the most basic way you can... Yeah. But you know, it's one of those things where in order to do something bad, or do something good, you have to do something bad. Yeah. So he does... Uh, he plays some heavy instigation and um, flip-flopping on sides and pinning these two against each other. But he does have a grand plan that he doesn't really reveal. Or does he? Or does he? This, does this come along as he's seeing what's going on? I don't know if he went in there, saw what was happening, like, I'm going to make some money and save this town. Or if he was like, I'm going to just make some money. And then as time went on, he's like, God, these people really need some help. Yeah, I think I think when he sees homeboy's son and his wife pretty much in captivity, he's like, something's got to be done here. Yeah, I think that's what it is when he sees like he doesn't. I guess because you don't know his history, he but since he is a warrior and a samurai and. You know, what, what, whatever that entails, you know, he's seen some stuff. Mm-hmm. He's seen some, probably some battles, some fighting, some skirmishes. He's been in some, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You you can tell in the film that he, he has some experience. Yes, a lot. <laughs> so I, I think you're right. When he sees the the woman and how her family split apart, mm-hmm. I think that is probably the point where he turns. And I'll... I'll liken it to something people might remember in Tombstone mm-hmm. when I, I think Virgil, the older brother, mm-hmm. sees like the outlaws or, or the cowboys, the cowboys going through town. And like, I think that woman gets hurt and the kids almost get run over by the horses. That's when he turns and he's like, we have to do something. Yeah. And he was just like, he felt bad too. Cause he's like, man, I'm, I'm taking, making money off all these people and they're out here scared to walk down the damn street. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you know, Virgil, he, he did same thing. They came in there and they're like, all right, we're going to chill, live life, make some money. And then they're like, darn it. We got to do something about this. But Kurt Russell was like, look, man, I'm just <laughs> trying to make some bread. I'm done with law enforcement, bro. Yeah. Like, He's like, y'all two fools want to sign up and be sheriff and look at him. One of them got killed. One of them lost an arm. Like, yeah, you know, it don't always help to be a hero. Well, that's, I, and it, that got me thinking too, like with Yojimbo and Fistful and, and even Tombstone, like these heroes murder, like blatantly just oh, murder yeah. people. Oh, yeah. Like, like they're violence. Like, in like Yojimbo, so much. it's crazy because 
you don't see Toshiro Famuni's character really do that much action. But the times he does, he kills at least eight people at a time. You yes. Know? So yes. it's not yes. like the whole movie, you don't see him just running around slaying people. But when he slays, he does slay, which I think that was that made it a little better because there was this element of mystery around him. Like, yeah. how good is he? We know he's good, but how good is he actually? And when he shows you that, you're like, okay, yeah, this dude's good. Yeah, yeah. And and he's playing both sides. So I think you said, like, he kind of flip-flops. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's tough to know what his plan is until – I guess maybe towards the end of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Until what? really, until he gets captured. Yes. Yes. He does get captured. Cause you're like, cause you're like, all right, he, he said, all right, guys, pretty much here's the deal. We can't break these films down without spoiling them a little bit. So if you haven't seen these, maybe pause this up, watch them and then come back or listen and see for yourself, watch them and compare and contrast yeah. and see if what you think we're saying is true. So I am going to start spoiling stuff. So, <laughs> When he does rescue the chick, the husband, and the son, and kills the six guys and destroys the place, you know, at that point, you at least know he's like, I'm going to at least try and pin these two against each other. Hopefully, they'll wipe each other out, and then maybe I can just slide on out the back door without anybody noticing. But then once yeah. he gets captured, it's like, oh, I need my revenge, you know? He's like, yeah. yeah I gotta. But at the same time, he's like... He's looking at the old man who took him in and fed him and gave him sake and put him up for however long he's there, at least a week at yeah. minimum. Yeah. So he put him up. He's thinking about him. He knows this dude is like, man, the destruction like is too much. It's hurting my business. People don't want to come around. And then when he saves the dude and he leaves him the note, you know, the old guy, he saw the smile on his face. He knew how happy he was. And he knew, like, you know, I really did do something good. Maybe I should use my talents for good instead of evil. And I, I guess I, I might have a few questions you might be able to help me with. So, like, at the end of the film, there's uh, Yojimbo. We'll just call him Yojimbo. Yeah, we'll just call him that. There's him. There's, like, the casket maker. Mm-hmm. And the guy, was he... Kind of like a bartender, I guess, yeah, maybe, the, sort of. The old guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah he, the, the Japanese I guess he just version. had a restaurant that, with a bar in it, you know. Oh, yeah, because he did like have food. Kind of like the, the Spanish guy from Fistful of Dollars. Restaurant yes. and bar type deal. Yeah. His, obviously, between the two films, things are, so Yojimbo is in black and white. And the beautiful thing about Kurosawa's films, I was just telling Jamie before we even got started, is he creates these very believable lived-in worlds that feel like these people are actually suffering. They feel like these are people who actually live here. They don't feel like actors. They feel like this guy grabbed people who lived in this little village and was like, I want you to be in my movie. And there's another director, um, an Indian director. He made the Apu trilogy. He's great with that, too. If you're into the period piece films about specific places in the world, check out the Apu trilogy, too, just to throw that out there. But Kurosawa's film, although it's in black and white, the details aren't great. You still you still feel this what's going on in there and, and you feel how these people are living. You can tell these people are scared and 
they really don't know what to do. And most of these people aren't fighters. Like, remember the scene when they when they're both they first are standing off against each other, and we'll call him Yojimbo. He comes out and he runs to the one side, and they all jump back like they're scared. Yes, he runs yes. to the other side, and they all do the same thing. I'm like, dude, are, what, what, you? It's like forty of you versus one, and you guys are scared of one guy who you really don't know if he's even that good or not. Yeah, they so, just assume at that. Yeah, part. they just yeah. assume this guy's that yeah. good. Yeah, and I mean, he did Obi Wan Kenobi the one dude's arm off when he <laughs> ran up on him. He yeah. killed the three guys, so they knew. Okay, this guy is good. But he's outnumbered to the max. You know, yeah. you got the one freak guy who's got the pistol who oh, yeah, that thing was yes. pretty much just his arm at that point. I'm like, bro, yeah. this dude pulls his pistol on every situation. Yeah, he does. But so that's that's the one thing. So it, the details are hard to see everything that's going on. But the old guy he was referring to, he does own a restaurant and bar type deal. And he takes in. Even though he doesn't want to, he keeps telling them to leave, yeah, but he doesn't yeah. kick them out. So, but he does feed them and take care of them. And I think that compassion from him showed him, okay, everybody here isn't someone to be exploited. Because that was his main goal was to exploit these people. Yeah, yeah. You mean Yojimbo's main goal? Yes. Yeah, you're right. Because he went there, because it starts off with him uh, stopping to get a drink of water, yeah, right? He said, Give At a well. Water, old man. Yeah, yeah. So... I, I guess that was his main motivation was to make some money, make some quick cash, yeah. and split. Yeah. yeah, I don't care what happens to these people. But, it, but like by saving the town, he like almost ensured that it seemed like everybody except for the casket maker and the old guy were dead. Were dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yo. Yeah. Because yeah. remember when he's walking out, there's just bodies everywhere. Yes, I'm yes. like, yo. So yeah. I'm like, how many? survive like population six yeah it's like but and these two these old guys everyone's too old to repopulate so yeah and (laughs) and who's gonna pay for the caskets yeah yeah this guy's out of a job now because i mean no one's gonna pay for him i'm like well they're just gonna lay there until they decay into the earth yeah so that's a good point though yeah because i was like who's who's left in this town nobody i didn't even think about it i'm like there was literally like four people left and i'm like i think that is the rest of the time he might as well live there too find yeah. a young wife and yeah because start repopulating. both of the families the uh the warlords both their their groups they ended up killing each other yeah whoever he didn't kill they yeah, killed they each killed other each other yeah and the brother of the the one warlord i think his name was umarachi the heavier guy with the with the oh my god and the unibrow yes bro and and like the overbite yes he was a he was a a terrible caricature if you think about it he looked like something out of like speed racer right it was terrible he when i was re-watching it again for this he just kept making me laugh yes time he came on screen because he's actually a really good actor he's in quite a few carousel films um and he's in a, a bunch of Does he of always have movies. a unibrow? No. Oh, thank God. I'm <laughs> glad that was makeup. That's he's all I can say. <laughs> he's in a really good film called um, A Woman Ascends to the Stairs. Uh, it's a 60s movie. And, yo, he's in there suited and booted, buttoned up, looking clean and really? fly. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh, look at my man's looking good. Because <laughs> he was looking terrible and everything else. Yeah, wow. 
he was so funny, man. He just made me laugh so much. Like, that's one thing I appreciated about Yojimbo a lot more than Fistful of Dollars. It actually, most of Kurosawa's films have a nice element of humor to them. Mm -hmm. They are funny. Like, Seven Samurai is hilarious. Like, Hidden Fortress is hilarious. Like, even Rashomon, as, even though it's a serious movie, it still has its parts that are funny. Now, of course, he has his films where you just cry and you just are like, I feel awful at the end. <laughs> but he does have some light ones. And I think this was one of his more fun ones, even though, you know, it does have some serious consequences in the end. A lot of innocent people die. But it is funny. And one thing that Fistful of Dollars just didn't do for me, it didn't replicate these characters well enough for yes. me to believe they were convincing. Even the, the foolish guy with the pistol... So in a fistful of dollars, everyone, everyone has got, a pistol. Yeah, everyone has a pistol. So <laughs> yeah. the guy who was supposed to be him, he didn't really stand out much to me. He just seemed like a dude who wants to be hard, but isn't that hard. Even though the guy with the pistol in Yojimbo, without his gun, he was nothing. He yeah. still came off like, yo, I'll kill anybody in my way. <laughs> Although in fistful, instead of since everyone did have guns anyway, when they first show you know the the analog of that character. He has he's mowing people down with like a Gatling gun. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he so like, so it's showing. I guess that showed like his, you know, the one step higher. Yeah, like the rank up. I'm yeah. the lieutenant. You know, yeah, essentially. Yeah. yeah, he was. Oh, that character of Fistful of Dollars. He got on my nerves. Honestly, almost every character in that film <laughs> got on my nerves except Clint and the barkeep. Like, yeah, I was gonna say was the barkeep was really. He was the coolest one. Yeah, because really. he's just like, sure, let's go. Yeah, you know, Clint's Clint. You know, I love Clint. Like, Clint's always gonna be Clint, man. Even at ninety four, he's still Clint, man. He he plays himself so well that it feels like he's a really great actor. Uh, you know what? Yes, I I I can see what you mean. Like he think about it. Think about all his best movies. He doesn't play very diverse characters. No, he is always... He's a version of Clint in a situation. Yes, yes. But he adapts himself to that situation probably better than anyone else who plays himself in yeah, most movies. Yeah, because I'm thinking of like Heartbreak Ridge, obviously the Dirty Harry movies, Oh, great. Firefox, God, Pink Cadillac even. I never saw that. Really? Is that good? Yeah, I mean... It's, I think it came out like 86, 86 or something. Right? So, yeah. you know, it's like in the mid 80s there, he was, you know, in between Dirty Harry movies, he was just doing stuff that was doing wasn't some... bad. Oh, Every Which Way But Loose, Every Which Way You Can, him and the orangutan. Yes. Oh, Clyde. yes. Yes. Those are pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I did see those. And, and you're right, because even though, even when he's in a film that's funnier, he is still Clint Eastwood, he's just Clint, funnier. Dry, still, you know, yeah. He's a very dry delivery guy, no yeah. matter what. Even when he's getting exclamatory, still dry. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Just, but that's that's him. It works for him. It's smooth. It works. Like the man with no name is the same in all three films. You know, he, yeah. he acts the same. He looks the same. He does the same thing. He's pretty much all his westerns he's the same type of dude even in pale rider when he's supposed to be a priest he's still clint eastwood wearing a, a priest costume <laughs> you know that's, that's what it is yeah yeah so yeah but yeah yojimbo what what kurosawa was able to do took a simple story guy comes to town wants wants to make some money 
pins two groups of people against each other and essentially saves the town. That's the story in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. And as simple as that is, he added so much depth to it with how well he wrote in the dialogue between each other. You really felt what was going on was important to these people. And these people were desperate. These people were coming to this man, offering him whatever money he wanted. And he's like, I want half up front, half after. All right, I'll pay you 20 Creole. Nope. 25. Nope. 30. No. All right. I'll give you 50. They were willing to give this man anything, which just shows you the desperation of these people and how bad they wanted the power to take over, but not necessarily because these people were evil because they knew it was necessary for their people to survive. And the way times were back then, that's what life was. Life was survival. It wasn't like it is now where we go out and have fun and go work what jobs we want and make the kind of money we want. You know, you made the kind of money you could. You ate what you could. You did what you could. You lived where you could. And if you weren't born into the right situation, bro, you had to scrape just like everyone else. So Akira really really grabs that concept really well with this film and makes makes you feel that where i think that lacks in a fistful of dollars it doesn't feel as dire it doesn't feel as urgent as it does in yojimbo do you think it's because yojimbo takes place in japan everyone is japanese whereas fistful of dollars is supposed to take place in mexico and clint eastwood is you know the gringo mm-hmm who's over the border, blah, 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 blah. So do you think that's why there's a bit of a disconnect? That actually, that's probably it. That might really be it. Um, I didn't even think about why the disconnect is there, but that probably is it. And I just think like, even though, what, Fistful of Dollars was take about what, like early 1900s? It's actually, believe it or not, 18. I, I was looking, there's a, uh, a tombstone in there that actually says 1873 is when the person died. So, you know, it takes place after that. Okay. So we'll, we'll say 1880 then. Yeah. Which, okay. That's, I mean, you're, you're getting closer to more civilized times, but you know, it's still wild. It's still crazy. There's still a lot going on in the world that would affect how people are living. But I feel like the film didn't reflect that well enough. It didn't feel like, because, I mean, there's still, this was pretty much post-war. There's still a lot of war going on in the world. People still yeah. aren't free. People are still getting killed over land left and right. So this is still a, a bad time to live in. But it didn't feel like that. It feel like people were kind of just chilling in Fistful of Dollars. They're like, yeah, these guys are bad and everything. But we're still eating and getting drunk every day. Yeah. So what's, what's good. You know? Yeah. And like, why was he in Mexico? Like they never really go into, like, I know the, the bartender calls him Joe or, or no, no, I'm sorry. The, uh, casket maker yeah. keeps calling him Joe. So yeah, I'm just going to call him Joe. Joe. Yeah. We'll call him Joe. So Joe, like, is he an ex soldier? Cause he looks old enough to have probably been in the Civil War. It's gotta, he has to be. You know, and so he had to have some kind of experience or at least something in the, in the Wild West in order to be able to survive as long as he has and, and where he's going to go there without fear, I guess. Yeah. 
I, it, he, it's got to be. And, and just knowing Sergio Leone, he definitely likes to have the Civil War in the backdrop of a lot of his Westerns. So that makes sense. And he probably is. But it's like, you do wonder, what the hell are you doing here, bro? Yeah, yeah. Like, what what business do you have here? Where in Yojimbo, obviously, like you said, everyone's Japanese. So you know he's probably lost his temple, lost his master to war. Yeah. And this is probably the only option he has to use his skill set to make money. Whereas Clint could probably go back to America and get a job. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he could. Yeah, Unless he's like... uh, Unless he's on the run for something crazy, which he could be. Yeah, you don't know. Um, He feels real calm to be on the run, though. But he... he, It seems almost like... uh, I want to say like a redemption story because I, I was... As I was watching it, I was listening. So, you know, both films have the woman that's taken away from her husband and son mm-hmm. and held captive by one warlord or another and blah, blah, blah. And in Fistful, the woman's name is Marisol, mm-hmm. which is just a form of Mary. And her son's name is Jesus, which is obviously just Jesus. Jesus. So he, Joe, Joseph... Ends up saving Mary and Jesus. Oh, jeez. Look at you. You can. Connecting some big dots. Look, you can tell that Sergio Leone is, or Leone is obviously a Roman Catholic. I'm like he's a he's Catholic Italian. man. Because. It, 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 I, I think it's, I don't like to assume, but in this case, you're probably correct. Because it's almost too literal to not be something like, you know, it, it almost uh, canonizes him in a way, like makes him a saint. Because he saves, you know, at least two people who are named after, like, the two most important people, people in, in the biblical characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, He's the shepherd. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. is. Wow. I never even thought about that. That gives it a little more flavor. In um, a way, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, it, it throws some salt on the dish. Um, I don't know. I never thought about that. I like that. That's probably legit, especially knowing who the director is. And he probably did look at it that way. And I wonder if he looked at Toshiro's character in Yojimbo that same way. And because, I mean. Who's the most famous get, mother and son, right? Yeah. Maybe that's why. Because I'm like, I don't I don't know what religion Kurosawa practices or what religions were based around that. Oh, I think was it Shintoism was probably the one which. I have zero knowledge of, so I'm not even going to act like I know anything about it. But I will say, if you think about it in terms of, you know, what most people might practice here in America, Christianity, you can look at Toshiro's character almost like a Jesus-like figure Mm. who sacrifices himself to save this town, essentially, for their sins. But just like when he does save them and he's like, all right, get the hell out of here. They stay <laughs> and they keep bowing to this man. They feet. do. You're right. I'm you're like, right. And, it, it, and I think that's just a custom over in Japan. Cause I've seen that in a lot of Japanese movies that, that have it's, it's respect, and, right? Yeah, it's very just... respectful. And I'm like, I'm like, you guys are making me very angry, not leaving. I'm ready to <laughs> chop your heads off. You're going to get me killed. Yeah. <laughs> and they end up, Causing him to get captured anyway. Yeah, I'm like, bro, why you leave me a note? Yeah. The barkeep shouldn't have moved the note because he wasn't even looking at the note. 
and the note was just sitting there. He was pretty slick though he about was, it. He was like, "No, he slammed his hand on that table so hard." I thought he moved something on top of it. No, he didn't. He tried to grab it, so he oh, went to grab the okay. cup to give him a refill, and then he grabbed the note too. Okay, I what I saw, and I was like, he should just. Put the cup on top. That's of what it. I thought he did. He did. Ah, but... he was being goofy. Uh, well, he could have been drunk. <laughs> he wouldn't know. You never I feel know. Like the barkeep was sober all the time. Maybe too, I too don't damn know. scared to get drunk. Yeah, like, I get drunk, I'll get killed. That's true. That's like, very true. I know. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, I live in bad neighborhoods, so I don't like to get messed up because I'm scared something's gonna happen to me. And that one family had that one guy that was like. A beast. Dude, he was like eight foot tall, bro. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. And he was Japanese. Yeah, man. And, you know, there's a lot of crazy Japanese people that are, they get big like that. Yeah. Like, did you ever see Rush Hour 3? I have not. Bro, there's a dude in there like eight foot tall. Uh, I don't know if he, I don't know if he was Japanese. Um, I don't know exactly what country he was from, but he was an Asian guy, and he was huge, man. Wow. Um, you've seen, you've seen. Uh, oh, one of my questions, um, for today, one of the movie release years. You, have you seen Enter the Dragon? I have, and I was disappointed it wasn't Donkey from Shrek's Shrek. honeymoon video. <laughs> I, I expected something different. <laughs> yeah, man. I know, you, I know you got it at the back of the video store. So yes, you yes. You had to go into that room. And you went into the room the with the curtains. curtains. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we all remember our first time taking a step back there. Enter the Dragon, man. That's a great film. It's a great film. You know what? That's perfect. Let's roll Let's roll into the intermission. We've been yapping for about half an hour. Let's roll into the intermission. Okay. And then we can uh, jump a little more into uh, a fistful of dollars after that. So we talked a good amount about Yojimbo. So I'll hit you with, we'll do this. I'll hit you with uh, your three multiple choice. You can hit me with your three multiple choice. Okay. And I'll hit you with my three years. Give me your three years. All right. I try to keep these related to at least something that we're talking about today. So first question, who starred in Sergio Leone's once Upon a Time in the West. I'm giving you four choices. Okay. A, Charles Bronson. B, Jimmy Stewart. C, Clint Eastwood. Or D, Lee Van Cleef. I want to, believe it or not, I want to say Lee Van Cleef. But. Don't not let my face influence you. Uh, when you said Charles Bronson. Maybe Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson. Wow. There wow. you go. Harmonica. Wow. Great film. Great West. Because there were three Once Upon a Time films, weren't there? There um there was Once Upon a Time in the West, Once Upon a Time in America, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And there may be there might be more. Cause there yeah, because I, I was reading a little bit about his you know, more popular films. Mm -hmm. But it didn't say who starred in it, unfortunately. Yeah, but it, it was like the Once Upon a Time trilogy. Yeah, he... Uh, Once Upon a Time in, the Mer in America is the one I want you to watch. Okay. That's Robert De Niro and James Woods. Mm. That's, a, that's a good one. That that movie's crazy, bro. I, when I first watched that, I was looking at De Niro kind of funny for like a week after that, bro. So really? I had to watch A Bronx Tale to put him back <laughs> in a good light for me. Yeah, yeah. Because he's kind of... Kind of fucking crazy and in, in most fun time in America, bro. He's a beast. Um, so 
you got uh oh so here's the next one what was the man with no names nickname in the good the bad and the ugly oh my god do you know it well you we got four choices okay so it okay. might ding in your head okay a whitey b slick c blondie or d honey Hmm. I can honestly tell you I don't know. Oh man. So it's gonna be for some reason I want to say Whitey, only because <laughs> he would have been probably one of two white guys in the film, right? Maybe. I mean, there's he's one of the like well you it it does play take place in the Civil War, so you do see some okay. white guys. But I mean the main character is him. And you got Eli Wallach who's yeah. Mexican and Lee Van Cleef who's I think he's full blood Italian or something, man. He's dark. He's a dark yeah. skinned guy. I'm not sure what he is, but yeah. So he's the whitest guy in the movie yeah. for sure. So uh, I'll say slick. I don't know. That is incorrect. It is C. Blondie. Blondie, really? Blondie. He's not blonde, blonde, is he? Not really. He's like a sandy blonde, I guess. Yeah, or a dirty blonde. Okay. But yeah, he's not. He's not a blonde blonde for sure. You wouldn't look at him and think, "Look at that blonde hair guy." That's yeah, yeah. That's what. Wow. All right. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. This one's pretty easy. I was like, "Give me an easy one." Which isn't a remake of the Seven Samurai? A. The Magnificent Seven. B. A Bug's Life. Or C. The Hateful Eight. <laughs> I would hope it's a bug's life. If that's a remake of the Magnificent Seven, or I mean the Seven Samurai, I'll be amazed. A bug's life. You are incorrect. A bug's life is a remake of the Seven Samurai. Are you kidding me? (laughs) No. (laughs) How? How is it? It's the exact same concept. Flick, the guy, goes to the town, finds seven bugs to come protect him from hoppers stealing the grain for the. Oh, my God, you're right. Lift. It's the exact same story with bugs. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Bugs Life probably made the best remake of it. <laughs> wow. So the Hateful Eight would be the correct answer. Yes, that would be the one that is not. Yep. Oh, my God, I can't Isn't believe crazy? it. crazy? That is insane. That is frustrating. What just happened to my note. Oh, there we go. All right. You can give me your questions. Okay. I got to I, I gotta figure this out because I, I don't think I put multiple choices here. So, so I got to see. I'll see. I could test my straight knowledge. Okay. If, if you want to. I mean, why not? You, you might be this good. That, that's I why. I might not be, though. <laughs> I, I have confidence in you. Let's see. How many films did. Mifune and Kurosawa make together. Okay. If you want multiple choice, I can give you multiple choice. No, that'll probably make it harder, actually. Okay. Let me run through a couple of them. I can think of six right now. Seven Samurai, Throne of Blood, Red Beard, Yojimbo... Rashomon, the high and the low. I'm probably missing at least two. I'm going to say eight. Do you want multiple choice? Is it 11? Do you want multiple choice? Or or do you want me just to tell you? Just tell me. 16. 16? They did 16 films together. 
God, that's a lot. Yes. They went hard. They, they were did. the real dynamic. They were the real dynamic duo. Now. God, that's a lot. What is the first Yakuza film? First one he ever did? It, the, fir the first. Uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you, it's a Kurosawa film that is considered the first Yakuza film where an early role that our man Yojimbo played was as a Yakuza, a gangster. And it popularized that form. Ooh, that's hard. I, I can give you multiple choice. Do you have multiple choice? I, I will if you give me a second. Because <laughs> I know the actual answer. So I just need a couple oh. more here. Popularized the gangsters. Yes. Now, I don't know if you know the year it came out. I have to know the film, which I don't. Okay. So, I just got to get... I feel like you're going to say it, and I'm going to be freaking pissed. You you might not be. You I might... hope not. I hope I'm shocked and surprised. I hope it's not something that went through my head. Okay. All right, so is it Sanshiro Sugata? Is it One Wonderful Sunday? Mm. Is it Scandal or is it Drunken Angel? Is it One Wonderful Sunday? It is Drunken Angel. Damn. Drunken Angel. Drunken Angel. I have to watch that. Maybe we'll have to talk about that. Yeah, because apparently. It's one of his early roles in a Coruscant film. It might be even his first role Jeez. in a Coruscant film, and he like stole the show. That's what he does as a as a gangster. He's a scene stealer. Yeah. Now, uh, it, the follow up would be: Do you know what year that came out? Do you know what year your film uh, Rashomon came out? That's like what fifty. Yes. So it's before that. Yes. I was thinking 40s. I was going to say 47. 48. Dang. Yeah. That's close. That's what I was like. It's got to be like yeah. late 40s. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, because I was like, oh, hell, did I even think about Rashomon? I was thinking about the, <laughs> the collapse. All right, I'll hit you with the years. Well, wait, I have one more question. Oh, okay. One more question. What is one other film that is credited as a remake of Yojimbo. It's actually credited as a remake of Yojimbo. I can't give me a year. 1996. Okay. 96. I can even give you a director if you want. Ooh, that would help probably help a lot. Walter Hill. That didn't help at all. Uh, uh, um, do you want an actor? No, nah, that's too many hints. Okay. I got to I gotta just think about what came out in '96. Yeah, it's probably a film that didn't do well because Walter Hill's career—he's the guy who did like uh, 48 Hours and oh, okay, and stuff. And I think he might have produced some of uh, Tales from the Crypt when that was on. Oh, that was a great show. Yeah, but uh, you know, it was kind of—he was obviously still doing films, but not like 48 Hours. It was more. Does it have a big star in it? At the time, yes. Actually, kind of still. Now, he'd still be considered a big star. 
I don't know, bro. Super stumped. Last Man Standing with Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Yes. That is a that, that is that is a credited remake of Yojimbo. Yeah. Wow. I, I have to watch that again. I haven't seen that in probably twenty years. Yeah, I'm assuming that the storyline, you know, was it's gotta line up. I, I mean, yeah. you know, I have to watch it. Isn't that nuts? So that's like forty years later and they're still remaking yeah. Kurosawa films. Because I think I think that film is like uh, it looks like it takes place like in the thirties though. Okay. But I guess it's the same basic story of like that film wouldn't that, that concept wouldn't work in a modern setting. No, not at all. Not <laughs> yeah, at all. Because it it's like you know corrupt officials who are allowing criminals to do their thing. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's that, the basic plot. But you can put it into those eras. Yeah, yeah easily. Any old school time period where war was present, and you know yeah. people were. Just now we just kind of let it happen. We yeah, because we're not as want. affected by. You it. Might go to jail or you might not. Yeah. This what so, it is. All right, I'm all sorry. Right, go so ahead. Let me hit you with some years. Okay. All right. Since we're on westerns, Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood. 1992. Correct. We already talked about this. Enter the Dragon, Bruce Lee. I want to say 73. Damn, you're good, man. Yes. I got to throw a Carousel film in here. A new Carousel film. Ron. Mm. R-A-N. Is it um, like towards the end of his career? Yes. Okay. I'll give you a hint. He was 75 when it came out. He was 75, so he was born in 1910, so it came out in 85. Damn. Damn. Slicker than wow. oil. Look at you. Wow, wow. Clean sweep. Wow. There you go. You should watch Ron. It's great. It's, oh, oh. And the ending is like, oh. So good, so good. But I'm pretty sure that the one chick's brother in it is a puppet. I don't care <laughs> what, what, bro. What? He looks like a puppet. Like, hold on, let me try like, and pull like him a, up real quick. like a Jim Henson Muppet kind of yes, puppet. Yes, yes, yeah, just okay. like that. Like, okay. remember Dark Crystal? Yeah. Remember the the guy, the dude, the, the the main dude. I don't remember his damn name. The puppet guy. Yeah. He looks like that. Like the way he moves. It's so weird. Hold on, I gotta I gotta bring up. <laughs> What is his freaking name? Anyway, um, go ahead and you can hit me with your years while I'm looking. Okay, so uh, along the, the lines and the theme of uh, westerns, I think one of the first western films was The Great Train Robbery. Mm-hmm. What year did that come out? And, and I mean the one for the Edison Company, because there was another one later on with like Sean Connery, I think. The early, early film. It's got to be like 38 or something like that. It's it's an early, early film. Even early. It's, and, not, and, it's and, silent. It I is. Watch it. It's silent. So yeah. I'm going to say 26. 1903. Holy hell. <laughs> yes. Is yes. it really that old? That's the one where they're cranking the little joints right on the train. Yeah, I believe so. And they're, Dang, and like sometimes, old? depending on which one you see, you know, is some of it's in color because they like hand tinted the frames, depending. Wow. All right. Yeah, th- yeah, there's a million versions of that though, right? Well, Haven't they remade that movie a few times. I I don't know if they remade that one or I know there's another great train robbery. I think it's like Donald Sutherland and Sean Connery, and it's literally about these guys robbing a train. But it took place, I think, in the '60s. 
So the film is from the 70s. Maybe it's Michael Caine. I'm not sure. Michael Caine. All right. What year was Kurosawa's first film as a director released? And that's Sanshiro Sugata is the name of the film. 1941. 43. Damn it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, it's got to be 41, 2, or 3. Alrighty, now. Is that the, what do you have? You only had two? No, I have another one. But there might be a little setup for it. Tell me this guy doesn't look like a puppet standing there. Oh my god, yeah. No, it doesn't. You see him walk from behind, his ass is like really square. Wow. It's like it's strange, bro. Like only one scene does he look human. Yeah. I think they used a guy and he's playing a flute, but the whole rest of the movie he looks like a freaking puppet. It was just throwing me off. But anywho, all right. Okay, so my question is uh it's a year of a film, okay? But I have to I have to do a little backstory. There was a film and a book that actually inspired Yojimbo. Mm-hmm. Okay, the book and the film are both called The Glass Key, and they're by Dashiell Hammett, the guy who did The Maltese Falcon. Oh, great film. So I the, read the book. The book came out in 1931. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the basic story of a guy who worked for something like the Pinkerton Agency, and he's investigating corruption in the town. Mm-hmm. So the same basic story. So what year did the film The Glass Key come out? 1936. 1942. Oh man, newer than I was expecting. Yeah. Never seen that. Apparently Never that I have not. I only just found out about it today. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> so, I was like, wait, Yojimbo, because Kurosawa has said like this book and this film influenced you know, the story of Yojimbo. Okay, maybe I'll have to check out The Glass Key. It's yeah. probably not as good, but I'll... Oh, I doubt it. I doubt it's as good. <laughs> I mean, Hammett was a good writer, don't get me wrong. Like, he pretty much created, like, noir I, and, and those detective stories. Yeah, that's great. But, he, you know, in his writing, I should say, he created it. All right, do you have any streaming recommendations? Oh, man. So, I've been thinking about it, and... I had a couple while I was looking at. So uh, every week I usually watch on Wednesday nights, I usually watch a handful of films. I was not impressed by the films I chose to watch this week outside of South Paul, which I'm not going to recommend that to you because that's a pretty popular film. I got to give you some that, you know, you got to um, you got to sink your teeth into. Oh, fun fact. True Lies does not hold up all these years later, uh. except <laughs> Jamie Lee in the hotel. Oh, uh, okay. That held up very well. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but True Lies, uh, man, it terrible. It it, it it wasn't great. It wasn't. It's not terrible, but it definitely. I'm like, you know, this was better when I was ten. Yeah, you know I, mean? I mean, it's a decent kind of like. I'll say like a spy movie. Yeah, spy. You know, like I'm an American spy. It's just it doesn't make any sense. But with Schwarzenegger, it makes no sense. If it probably would have made more sense with Tom Arnold in the lead. Yeah. I mean that sounds terrible to say. But but yeah, because he's American. Yeah, yeah. He played a good role. And you had uh, Charlton Heston as like the comic book accurate Nick Fury guy with the eye patch. 
Oh yeah. So so you can tell that. James Cameron was you know at least a fan of Shield, if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Shield. <laughs> he pro- I guess he was reading comics. I'm sure. Oh yeah. yeah he's a nerd because he was supposed to do a Spider Man movie at one point. So yeah, you know he a, was he's a freaking nerd. Yeah. All right, streaming recommendations. Yes. Okay. I'm going to recommend on Freebie hmm. Redline. It's an anime movie okay. about racing cars, and it's tight. Oh, it's just a fun action racing movie that you can just have a good time with and chuckle at, and all this. Everything else I've watched has been either not through conventional streaming, we'll, we'll say that, or mm-hmm. I actually own on Blu-ray. So I I haven't been watching much stuff on actual streaming services the past couple weeks. So I apologize, but I will recommend going to see the Mario movie. Did you watch it? Not yet, no. It's great. It's so fun and silly. It I, was great. And Jack Black is amazing. I, I've i wanted to play it. I've actually been playing... The original Super Mario Brothers over That's and over one again. one of the best games of all time. Because I'm just obsessed with playing it. It's so good. It's one of the best games ever made. Yeah. It's Super Mario World for Super NES. One of the... Man, I put so many hours in that game as a kid. It's not even funny. I just found one. It's the Lost Levels. Oh, man. And and that's what I've been playing. And I am stuck. You're stuck. Hey, and it's and levels I, that are like 40 years old. It, it doesn't yes. matter. If yeah, it's good, it's, it's good. There's a reason people are still watching the OG trilogy, man. That's true, yeah, matter. yeah. When stuff's good, it's good. Alright, so what you got for streaming? You know, I was I was thinking about this. I was on a, a Gary Trudeau kick a couple weeks ago. The guy who does the comic strip Doonesbury, which I love. Mm-hmm. And I started watching uh, Tanner eighty eight again. That oh uh, yeah, the one you gave me. Yes, yeah. It's on HBO Max. Oh, it's maxed out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's from nineteen eighty eight. It's about uh, a candidate running for president for the uh, for the Democratic nomination, and he's fake. But it it follows him, and and the series wasn't like a weekly series. Like they would film it during whatever uh, stops there were on the campaign trail and then just air it. That's kind of tight. Yeah. So there's like 10 or 11 episodes in the series directed by Robert Altman. I was like, it's Bobby Altman. Yeah. Yeah. Written by Gary Trudeau starring um, Michael Murphy, who's a really good actor because he has that, that look, the, uh, I'll say like the, the John or the Bobby Kennedy kind of look. Yeah, that, of, that slick, classic, handsome. Yes, and and he kind of pulls off the uh, the politics part of it pretty well because he he's a senator who's running, and his daughter is played by Cynthia Nixon, who's Miranda from Sex and the City. Oh, but okay. it's like obviously before Sex and the yeah, City. Yeah, I was like, this is before that. She was kind of young. Huh? Yeah, she's probably like twenty, maybe. Yeah, I was like, she's kind of young. And it's it's interesting to see how the political machine works or worked because it, you know, it's like thirty five years ago now. But how it still seems similar today because it's all like the uh, the inside stuff of his campaign and how they're trying to get him the nomination and going to different places and trying to like focus groups and everything. It's, it's actually really incredible. And the way that Robert Altman 
directs it, it's like a documentary. So you almost feel like some of the people that were filmed didn't know that he wasn't a real candidate. Wow. So, so they're talking to him as if like he's he really running, running. Yeah, and about real issues. So there's a lot of really great scenes in it where people say from their heart what they want from a, a politician and from a candidate, which you don't usually hear yeah. or see. And it's just probably one of the best things Robert Altman ever did. Well, dude, he's always been great with that kind of documentary style of filmmaking. Like if you watch Nashville, Nashville feels like a documentary. Like it feels like somebody's just going around this town and like checking on the people and the musicians and how it affects everything. So Robert Altman's always been a, a just a genius with that. He's we we're gonna have to do a Robert Altman episode because yeah, because you know I love Mash. Is, yeah, Mash <laughs> is great. Yeah, that's one of his. Cla- I love like three women, bro. Sissy Spacek and uh, Shelley Duvall. One of my favorites of all time. You're a Sissy Spacek fan, though. I love her, bro. Yeah, I love Sissy, bro. Sissy's she's she's the best, man. (laughs) Even now, I still love her now. Even though she don't rock the red hair no more, it's okay. Oh, guys, I'm a redhead fan. So just if you ever hear me talk about certain actresses, like. If I th- bring up the three J's, you know, you'll learn who they are over time. I won't reveal them now, you know, but they will learn who the three J's are. Jamie knows who they are. And no, Jamie isn't one of them. No, that, that is very true. <laughs> I am not. So, all right, cool. So let's get into Fistful. Fistful of Dollars, directed by Sergio Leone, starring Clint Eastwood. A Spaghetti Western, which is a direct remake of Yojimbo, the film we were talking about before the intermission. This is a good movie. Um, and if you heard what I was saying before, it probably sounds like I don't like it. That's not true at all. I actually think it's a great film. I have this on Blu-ray as well, you know, but I also have Yojimbo. And this is a film that I do think as far as remakes go, if you look at the remakes that are coming out today versus fistful it's miles ahead of most of the stuff we get today so it's just yojimbo is on such a level that it's one of those properties there it's like you know maybe you shouldn't try and do it because it's all whatever you do is always going to be compared to it you know what i agree because it's so similar it's if they would have changed more mm-hmm it would have been better, but it's so similar. It's almost like when Gus Van Zandt did that shot for shot remake of Psycho. Like, yeah, why bother? Just yeah. colorize Psycho. Yeah. yeah. Just you know, if Psycho. you want Psycho in color, colorize it. That's all you have to do. Ted Turner, just call him up. Be like, I want to colorize this, buddy. Yeah. Like, how much? And I think that's the problem with it because even though it's, you know, it's Mexico instead of Japan and guns instead of swords. So many of the story beats are exactly the same mm-hmm. that it, it's infuriating if you just watched Yojimbo. Yeah, bro, that's what I'm like. Yes, that, that's you, the problem. When you watch them back to back. Yes, I'm like, yes. if you watch them back to back, you're like, oh my God, it really is that movie. Because I'm trying to remember which one I saw. I actually might have saw Fistful of Dollars before I saw Yojimbo when I first watched them. And when I saw Yojimbo, I was like, bro, 
Sergio Leone owed Kurosawa some money, bro. Yeah, like, and he did what? get sued. Yeah. And he, and yeah. he won. Yeah. Like, Kurosawa won. Yeah, we got to talk about that. So, yeah, so this film, it's such a remake that Kurosawa and his people felt like they were entitled to some money. So they sued Sergio Leone for his movie and won. And yes. if you watch the two films, you can't tell me that they didn't deserve to win. I mean, sure, does it, would it seem like maybe it's uh, unethical or something like that? You might say that being the consumer, but if you put your heart, soul, and money into something and then somebody yeah. else comes along and makes the same thing, because you know Fistful of Dollars made more money than Yojimbo. So yeah. this dude got paid off of something you made and made better, and you're sitting there like, Oh, so that's how it goes, huh? And like Jamie just said, I think he needed to change a little bit more with the story. Like, he could have did something as simple as just adding another protagonist. It could have been two main characters. Yeah. Like, and that would have just gave it some edge. But the fact that it's literally, guy rolls into an unknown town. There's two sides that are against each other. He literally... They call him out. He doesn't do anything. They think he's soft. He has to come out, show he's not. Then all, everyone's intrigued, and he goes and gets hired by one. Then he leaves and goes and works for the other. It's literally, like he said, beat for beat is the same story. Yeah. Yeah, he even gets captured. Yep, gets captured. Breaks he out. beat a little bit. I mean, he changed that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little instead bit. Of, instead of one guy beating his ass, he had like six. Yeah. And Sergio. Well, that's because it was Clint Eastwood. It was Clint Eastwood. Yeah. And, and Sergio loves to make Clint Eastwood look really ugly in his films. Because <laughs> he beat his face so bad in Fistful of Dollars. I was like, oh, he made him look terrible. And if you watch Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, oh my lord, this man leaves him in the desert with no water. His face is like a crusty pile of dirt. It was crazy. So, but yeah, I mean, slight changes, but the exact scenario is the same. He goes in, shoots all the guys, destroys the place, makes it look like the other people yeah. did it. Then they catch him, beat his ass, capture him. He has to escape free with the coffin maker. It's all the same. Yeah. I think it's more guys beating him in Fistful because Yojimbo had that huge monster beating the yeah, hell out of him. Yeah, that, so, and, and that guy's the equivalent of like five guys. He is. And there's even a and part fries. when... The big guy's talking to one of the smaller guys, and the small guy says something dumb, and he like lightly hits him on the head, and he's like, "Bro, your tap feels like another dude's punch." <laughs> yeah, so so yeah. yeah, he's got this big monster in there. That guy was freaking huge, man. But yeah, there, it's, gosh, I, I think the only things that were really changed were guns mm-hmm. for swords. And because there's guns, he uh, wears that like bulletproof vest at the end. Yeah, at the end. Yeah, he has so that. so he can keep getting up when the guy's shooting him. Yeah, he's he does. That was one thing they changed. You know, they didn't. Yeah. You know, maybe if Toshiro had some chain mail, he could have put on or <laughs> yeah. something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because I think. Yojimbo takes place in the 1860s in Japan. Mm-hmm. So there might have been chainmail somewhere. This might have been laying around. No one yeah, could yeah. afford it. Yeah. But, you know, it's probably laying around. But yeah, it's, it's, Fistful of Dollars, though, it's, 
I'll put it like this. If you watch it and you've never seen Yojimbo, you'll think it's great. You'll be like, oh, this was a good movie. Because there is some good action in it. Like, there's some, first of all, the score is awesome. The yes. score for both of them is awesome. Actually, I really yes. like the score for Yojimbo, too. But the score for Fistful of Dollars is great. And I think Leone, um, I can't remember the guy he collabs with um, for most of his Westerns. But that, they make magic together. He knows exactly how to score his pictures. I is it uh, Morricone or something? I think that's who it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they've made some magic together. And that score is really unique, and I think that's one of the better elements of the film. And, I mean, from when it came out, it's still a 60s movie. It looks great. The cinematography's decent. You know, it's it's got good action. The shootouts are fun. Clint's Clint. He's slick as oil as usual. If you like Clint Eastwood, you'll like this movie. The concept... It's just the same, but it is not a bad film and it's not a bad remake. And I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm trashing on it because I'm actually a big fan of Sergio. So I, I do I, I do like this film. You know what? It might have been a good way to introduce movie audiences to Clint Eastwood, especially overseas who didn't know him from. Yeah. He was on a show over here. Was he on The Virginian? I forget what. The show I don't was. Remember what show it was? He was on. Maybe it was Rawhide. So I yeah. think it actually was. Yeah, Rawhide. I think that's what it is. So American audiences would have known him, but overseas. So maybe that was the point of just lifting the story to introduce him to a wider audience with something that they were familiar yeah, with. Yeah, something they're familiar with. Some more, you know, they're like, "Hey, this will work out." Yeah, because he does, you know, branch out in the man with no name trilogy because for a few dollars more you know that's a cool western it's a cool story and i don't know if he was inspired from something else with that one he may have been but it's a great story and then by the time you get to the good the bad and the ugly that's a freaking masterpiece that he evolved as a not only a filmmaker but definitely a western filmmaker he a lot of people like discredit spaghetti westerns i'm like i'm sorry dude there's some of the best ones ever made like once upon a time in the west and the good the bad and the ugly are easy easily two of the best movies ever made let alone westerns like they're both great so is that and i'm thinking like do people discredit spaghetti westerns because they don't believe that like a foreign filmmaker yes. in a foreign country could create something authentic for yep. But why, if if that's their vision, like, I'm thinking of, you know, last week we were talking about George Lucas using Kurosawa to influence Star Wars, right? Mm -hmm. So, by that token, you would have to say, well, he's not Japanese, so why is he taking mm -hmm. these themes and these things and doing whatever with it? Yeah, you know... And I think it's just because of a lot of Americans are like, well, Westerns are an American art form and only an American can really, capture the, la yeah, <laughs> really capture the landscape of America and what it's about. Which I'm like, dude, films are art. Yeah. They and make art to imitate life of all types. So just because you're not necessarily 100% familiar with something or lived through it doesn't mean you haven't consumed enough content or done enough research on it to create something fake for an audience to enjoy well it seems also like i, I was thinking about this watching tombstone 
I think Westerns are like romance movies for men. Cause that, <laughs> cause the idea of like that kind of lawlessness and being able to, to just do whatever probably seems romantic, not like candlelight dinners no. and, and whatever kind of romance, but you know what I mean? But for a man, it feels like freedom. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And it so, feels like, and, and that's God, kind of a, guys could do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. Right? And, and that's kind of a romantic notion that, that idea of freedom and that kind of, uh, I guess, catharsis to be able to, to do what you want. And I mean, I'll just use Tombstone as an example. Like, look at how terrible uh, Kurt Russell was. He sort of had a wife, a common law wife, and then yeah. dumped her for someone else. Yeah. And you, you know what I mean? I'm like, wait, this isn't what <laughs> I've, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about it probably eventually, but it's, it, it did make me think, because then I had to watch uh, Queen Charlotte with my wife, oh, that show on Netflix. It was actually pretty good, I have to admit. Okay. But, it, you know, that's more of the the feminine female romance. Mm-hmm. So I realized, I'm like, oh, Westerns are really male-centric. I can't think yeah. of any real female. No, that's, female... that's a great way to look at them. Yeah. No. Because like, think about it. There's not many female-driven Westerns. Like, maybe The Quick and the Dead with Sharon Stone, right? Yeah, and Cat Baloo with Jane Fonda. Yeah. Which, you know, <laughs> okay, that's two. That's two of how many men-driven Westerns. Because, yeah. I mean, even when you get into, like, rom-coms or what you would call more of a female-driven film, like, you still have male leads and male-driven stories yeah. from time to time. Um, obviously, the ones that chicks would rather see a reflection of themselves, which is understandable. But westerns are definitely a bro out genre that guys are like, yo, man, they always put themselves in the shoes of the cowboys. Man, if I yeah. was around back then, I'd be doing this or doing that or whatever. Because I'm telling you, every time I watch The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, I'm like, yeah, I would have been rolling like Clint Eastwood, riding through town to town, doing some shady stuff, making bread, getting drunk, acting crazy. I just realized, so the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, for a few dollars more, a fistful. So that's like 64, 65, and 66, mm-hmm. right? So would they have influenced then like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? You know, like how that would have been made? What? What year was Butch Cassidy? 65? 69. 69? Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I thought that was earlier. Yeah, definitely. Definitely would have influenced those. I mean, that was the height. Westerns were hot then. Yeah, yeah. That was the time for Westerns. I mean, you had the man who shot Liberty Valance in there. All the John Wayne movies coming out were just going crazy. But Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid... One of the best westerns ever made. I think that was definitely influenced by Sergio's style of making westerns because it does. I won't say it, it doesn't necessarily rolls like a spaghetti western, but the pacing of it feels like a spaghetti western a okay. little bit. So I do. I definitely would say that was definitely um, inspired by it. But I think the characters, man. I think the characters in that two movie. Or uh, the two characters in that movie just stand on their own as two of the most unique Western characters we've ever had. Because I can't think of anyone like them, and they yeah. they fit together like yin and yang so perfectly. Like I I can't think of any Western duo that works better than those two. 
And I think a lot of the action style and, you know, the cinematography and stuff was inspired by some of the spaghettis. But I think the story and the characters were kind of one of their own. Uh, is this is, is this based off a novel or anything? I'm I, not sure. I think it's actually based off of, you know, true events. I'm using air quotes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. These are real people. But yeah. I'm sure, you know, they embellish. Oh, of, of course. course. Yeah. You know, but it, I think. They're two of the coolest characters we've ever had in the Western. And, of course, a lot of that contributes to Bobby Redford and Paul Newman. Yeah. They just worked so well together. They did so much together. So that comes out. And you got two of the best actors of their time. So they made those characters work really well. Um, Man, they should have did it. I wish they could have did another Western like that. They did that one where they're like, on that train gambling and killing people. I can't remember the name of The Sting. That. The Sting. Yes. That's a good one. Yes, That's that is a good, a good one. one too. Same director, George Roy Hill. Yeah. Same it, director as Slapshot. Slapshot is so <laughs> freaking great. Oh, my God. Guys, if you haven't seen <laughs> Slapshot with Paul Newman, watch that ASAP. It's a hockey movie, and it's good. Even if you don't like hockey or sports, you'll still like it. It's freaking hilarious. And Paul Newman is just... Magic in he's it. magic in everything. Yeah, he dude. is. Even when he's old, bro. Yeah, he's just amazing. Color of money, dude, was slicker than oil. I'm like, bro, how are you somehow like 80, but you're more handsome and slick than Tom <laughs> Cruise, who's like 25? Like, yeah, he's. And that's a Scorsese film, yes, right? Yes, sir. Man, that's, I'm like, man, that's. I wonder how Scorsese felt working with Paul back then, because like. You know, Scorsese would only been like maybe in his thirties, early thirties, and, and Paul look, was a legend by then. And making a sequel, yeah, because that sequel, sequel to the Hustler, legendary, film. yes, yes, what a legendary performance, yeah, from, from not only Paul Newman but um Jackie Gleason, yeah, George C. Scott, George C. Scott, man, yes, insane. incredible. I think he I think he turned his Oscar down for that movie. Wow, he turned all his Oscars down. Really? Yeah, he didn't believe. He believed that. Film roles can't be compared in a one's better than the other because they're all different types of art form that take different approaches to make them work for whatever reason, which in a way is right. Yeah, he is. You exactly. Because so. that's, I guess that's why, like, it doesn't make any sense if, like, the best director isn't necessarily the director of the best picture yeah. or, you know, the best actor isn't necessarily in the best, best picture. movie. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Like, like when Philip Seymour Hoffman won for Capote, that movie's okay, but his performance was probably the best performance out of all the nominees, even though all the other movies are likely better. Yeah. He killed that role. He was a great actor. He kills every role. Yeah. Did you see Synecdoche in New York? I did not. Bro, that movie's awesome. I wish that was streaming on something so I could recommend that to the people, but it's not, unfortunately. Mm. You should watch that. Charlie Kaufman, great writer and director. Um, that movie's crazy. Anywho, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> this full of dollars. Yes. I will say though, um, it does get some stuff right. As far as a Western movie, a classic Western, it works. If you like Western films, you will like the movie. But my same issue is like I watched The Magnificent Seven. It's a good film, but I'd rather watch the Seven Samurai because it's just done better, and it's just it's hard to watch these movies without thinking about 
they're where they came from and it's it's different like and it's just like when you know people love certain books and novels and then when they get adapted to the screen they're like oh they're infuriated and it's the same thing you know just because it's two movies and one's not a book or a comic or anything it's still the same thing you're still taking something someone already has a built-in love for and giving them a different version of it which they may hate and it's you're already gonna go into it with a bias because you're like man i just love this one so much i don't know how you're gonna top me yeah it's it's honestly like Watching the Amazing Spider-Man after you've seen the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans, yeah, or, or or even like when Tom Holland first took over, it's those types of things. Like you already know what they've done with Spider-Man, so to see someone either try to do the same thing or try to do something different and maybe not succeed, it's heartbreaking and infuriating yeah. all at the same time. It's. Bro, I mean, look at all the Batman. You oh went my through God. this. You went through this through your whole teens and twenties. Yes, with dealing with the new Batman. Yes, and how they're gonna f up one of your most <laughs> beloved comic book characters. Yes, yes. You know, you've dealt with this multiple times. Like, who's gonna fudge up Batman for me this year? Yeah, and even and it's still happening today. Like. When we went and saw the Batman, yes, we we didn't know if Bobby Pattinson was gonna get the job done. No, he did. Oh my god! But he did. I went in like, I don't know. <laughs> but then as soon as he walked out in costume, oh, I was like, he's the man. He's Batman. I was like, he's him. Yeah. And then, and then I loved his version of Bruce. I was like, yeah, he's playing that early young Bruce before before swagged out Bruce. You yeah, know? it's like emo Bruce. Yeah, I'm like, and yeah. that's a good version for an actor like Robert Pattinson to play because I think they stayed pretty pretty nicely true to the source material while putting their nice little emo edge on it. You yeah. Because the film does have this kind of oh, I hate my life vibe yeah. to it. But it works. Yeah. It works for that film. And it's a beautiful movie. The cinematography in The Batman is some of the best of 2022. I just realized something. And this is, uh, I don't know if this will make any sense, but I'm thinking about Yojimbo and Fistful of Dollars. We've talked before, I think, about Logan being like a modern Western. Yeah, it's definitely a Western. Is it sort of the same type as Yojimbo and Fistful of Dollars? Because he ends up, you know, protecting... Those kids, he's fighting against all these. Yeah, yo, yeah. You know, it's a very similar concept. I think you're you're onto something there, because in Logan, he don't want nothing to do with none of this. No, he's like, I'm trying to get drunk. Yeah, I'm trying to, you know, drive my freaking limo, Chrysler car, whatever it was. Yeah, deal with Professor X's crazy ass. Yes, and deal with his spotted dick. Yeah, and, and deal with the albino guy. <laughs> yeah, um, um, the vampire. He, not, yeah. he wasn't a vampire, but he had he couldn't go outside. Yeah, so, um, Caliban. Yeah, that was his name. Caliban. Yeah, Caliban. Who, what actor was that? Was that the dude? Stephen Merchant Squad. No, Stephen Merchant. He co-created he the Office with. Ricky Gervais. Oh, and he, he played that role really well. He did, because there was another actor playing him in, I think it was X-Men Apocalypse. Mm. He was a different, you know, he was the same character. 
but a different actor. I'm about to go on an X-Men run because yeah. I've been wanting to watch X-Men First Class for like the last like two months. I want to watch it so bad, but I feel like I need to watch all of them in order. It's a look, X-Men First Class is a great reboot. Matthew Vaughn did a great job. But I this isn't gonna be popular because of cancel culture. But Brian Singer did a great job with his X-Men movies. X-Men, X2, uh, Days of Future Past, and X-Men Apocalypse. I, I think are the Days best. Days of Future Past. That was fire. Oh my god, incredible. I got bro, I, yeah. I'm, about to, I'm about to run through them, man, because I've been wanting to watch first class. Well, your guy from uh, Rush Hour, Brett Ratner, did X3. Because X3. Brian Singer left the X-Men franchise to do Superman Returns. Oh yeah, yes. which yes. people hated. It's, it's a great film. I'm though. like Superman Returns wasn't bad. I do remember that. Yeah, one. Superman Returns. Look, Brandon Routh, like his first major role, other than like TV roles, he did a great job of continuing the Christopher Reeve version of Superman because mm-hmm. he had the look, he had the demeanor. You know, it was incredible. It's just they, they being like Brian Singer and, and the writers made Metropolis more Art Deco than it was in the Donner movies. Which is cool, though. Yeah, yeah. I it's mean, a great design. Don't gotta, get me wrong. got to do something different. And look, you know, Kevin Spacey is Lex Luthor. Yeah, I was like, yes, he was Lex. Look, all these people that do terrible things in their personal lives are still great actors. They're still great actors. They're still Bro, great Kevin directors. Spacey's still one of the best. You know, it's like the, their jobs never uh, suffered for whatever demons they were fighting outside of their work. But I was actually thinking about that the other day because I was thinking about R. Kelly and I was like, oh, through the did you get pissed? Of- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. I was like, through the midst of his whole like trials and all that, he made some of his best work during that time. I'm yeah. like, how do you do that? How can you separate your mind from all this crazy crap happening to you personally and just focus that well on your art? And some people are just able to do that really well. But. I, I guess you like compartmentalize things. So yeah, like, I guess so. you know, this is is this part of my brain and this is that part. Yeah, like I'm going to cut this trial. I'm going to jail for the rest of my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. all my money stuff off. And I'm going to focus on music. Yeah. But I'm sorry. All the music I would make, like, I'm about to lose all my money. I'm yeah. Go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Don't uh. feel bad for me because it's my own fault. But yeah. <laughs> now, R. Kelly's a freak. Like. He's crazy, um, but you but know he was I, I, but talented. as an artist though, oh, like he was one of bro, one of the best R and B singers of all time. If you can separate like the artists from the art, just see what they've what they did. Like if we knew everyone's personal lives, everybody oh everyone's canceled. a villain. Yeah, every, everyone would be canceled. <laughs> yeah, like everyone. You know, oh villain. my god, you're terrible. It's like what you. You ran over that squirrel. Yeah, you're oh, terrible. You didn't tell anyone. Yeah. Oh, you. Yeah. But yeah, I do think Logan does have some tropes from Yojimbo and Fistful because yeah. he don't want nothing to do with it. Now, the difference is is he didn't place himself in the situation. He kind of got dragged in. He but did. once he was in, he was all about it. I mean, he yeah. missed his own life. He, he he went hard for them kids and he, he felt a soft spot, especially for the little girl, you know. And she was, yeah. how could you not fall in love with her? She was going so hard, bro. I was like, bro, this little girl is going crazy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, some yeah. of the, yeah. God, what a Logan great movie. was so great. Yeah. I was just yeah. say, like, God, Logan was so good. That's, that's one of the best Marvel movies in the last 10. Easy. It's just, that and Deadpool were just done correctly, and I just wish they would get back to that. Like, 
they own Fox now, right? Yeah, Disney Disney does. So I'm not sure how they're going to screw it up because, (laughs) like, but you know it's coming. Yeah, because look, I I will say this, like, spoiler free, Guardians Volume Three is more like the older Marvel films because, like, like Endgame era, but because it was written then. Yeah, because ah. that's when James Gunn wrote it, so it's not like really in the newer continuity kind of thing. I'm not mad about that. Yeah, so cause... so if if you look at that as like a touchstone of like, well, they're not all bad. Yeah, but that should have come out three years ago. Yep, yep. you know, so it should it was written probably five years ago. You know, because mm. Volume Two came out in 2017. Yeah, yeah, damn. That's yeah, weird. so it's like. You can't – we go back to Quantumania, which, believe it or not – and it sounds terrible because I love the Ant-Man movies. Mm-hmm. I love them. Those two are great. But I think I would have rather have watched Morbius again. You know, the thing with Morbius <laughs> is Morbius offered us something we haven't seen at least. You, you know what? You're right. It wasn't trying to rehash it anything. It didn't really – it didn't feel like anything else. Yeah. It felt like a version of – what it was trying to be not done very well. Yeah. But I can always respect somebody who is trying to make something new. Like I said, my main issue with Morbius is I'm like, I'm telling you right now, if they would have did better CGI and visual effects, that movie would be a lot better and a lot less of a joke. Cause it's, there's things in it to admire and like, if they would have added or maybe kept in, I don't know how much they cut. But if another 20, 25 minutes just to add to the story, so things would have made sense. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff they could have. Yeah, because what was it, about an hour and 50, two hours? I think it was less, maybe an hour and a half. Maybe an hour and a half. They could have made it a two-hour boy and just flushed it out a little bit more. Yeah, and maybe 100 minutes, if that. Yeah, maybe. And and I think we could have got some more action scenes from Jared Leto. But because he was all in. He was all in. He so was Matt Smith. Role. Yeah, Matt I'm Smith like, was actually good as the villain. Yeah, I'm like the the leads committed. Yeah, and, they did. And I and I respect him for that. And I'm like, yeah, listen, everybody's gonna have a bad movie. Jared Leto's still one of the best actors of our time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Morbius doesn't all oh, because he was bad as Morbius. And people didn't like his Joker. <laughs> doesn't mean he sucks. Yeah, you know, he still freaking was in Dallas Buyers Club. Like, House of Gucci House is incredible. Gucci, I. Have to watch that. That's been on my list for he is, months. He is unrecognizable. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I know it's on Prime. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch that next week because I love Adam Driver. I love Gaga. Oh, yeah. I love Al Pacino. I love. Oh Adam my Jared yeah! Driver. All your favorites. Yeah, are in like it. tons of dudes. Dude, I think I Ridley Scott him. directed Ridley it. Scott. Yeah, man, an incredible film. Yeah, believe yeah. it or not. He, I I heard he's about to do um a Napoleon movie. Ridley Scott, really? Yep. Wow. He, he loves his period piece. I bet it's going to be dynamite. It is going to Napoleon it's dynamite. It's going to be Napoleon dynamite. <laughs> Great film, but Yeah. But to wrap up this, um what in comparing these films, I don't obviously Leone got sued and <laughs> and mm-hmm. I can't say that I'm mad at Kurosawa for doing it and I can't say that, you know, he maybe didn't deserve to get sued, but I do think that art is always going to be imitated. We imitate what we appreciate. All your favorite artists, musicians, filmmakers, actors, painters, writers, they all have influence. They've all stolen stuff from each other. 
excuse me, but you gotta steal it subtly. <laughs> you, you can't you can't yes, just yes. take it. You can't take the girl, take the take her blonde hair and dye it brown and call it a different girl. It's yeah. the same girl still. So that's and that's what Leone did. He he took the girl and he just changed her hair color and shoes. And it's not that the girl still wasn't pretty. We just felt like we been with this chick before (laughs) yeah yeah so we wanted to get with a new chick it was our own sloppy seconds yeah it was our own sloppy (laughs) seconds so that was the the (laughs) (laughs) terrible analogy but still it's a terrible analogy (laughs) but i think you understand what we're saying here um but i mean i would still give fistful of dollars i would still give it a b b plus you know as a grade of a film oh yeah jimbo gets a solid a yeah if not an a plus yeah if not an a plus i mean i think we have to give it an a plus just for the influence alone yeah and even fistful no matter what we might think about it because of yojimbo it probably influenced more than yojimbo oh yeah just because of the reach it had farther than yojimbo oh yeah i'm like fistful bro i know tons of people who are like fistful of dollars is in my top five favorite westerns tons of people and i say them saying people i feel you i'd just rather watch yojimbo and but they those people haven't seen yojimbo yeah yeah and if you don't know you don't know so you don't know until you learn and honestly that scene at the end with the uh i'll just call the bulletproof vest Mm -hmm. with air quotes that is a great scene, honestly. It is. It really is. Yeah. Especially before you realize what it is as an audience, you're like, oh, snap. Oh, he's getting shot. And you're all yeah. worried. And you're like, oh, Clint, no. Yeah. And he's wearing his the he's poncho. The poncho. The classic green poncho. Yeah, so the iconic like, oh, poncho. Man. Dude, when he's wearing it in the good and the bad, though, that's oh, it's the money shot, dude. It's I like, haven't seen those in decades. I have to watch them. Dude, but a few dollars more and... The good, the bad, and the ugly. We might have to just have like, like a Western episode and just cover like, like the main classics. Maybe the good and the bad. We'll cover the good, the bad. We'll do Tombstone. Mm-hmm. We got to do the Searchers, man. We have to have a John Wayne. One. Okay. Um. So we got a Clint one. We got a John Wayne one, and a John Ford as far as direction and Sergio. Do you want to do those three for next week? Yeah, we could do those. Oh, gosh. That gives me an excuse to watch The Searchers again. No problem. <laughs> I, I freaking the love Searchers. That is that the one with Jeffrey Hunter or n- where he plays like a Native American? Yes. Okay. Yes. I love Jeffrey Hunter as an He's actor. He's great. He's, He's incredible. Great in that film. He was the original captain on Star Trek in the first pilot episode. Really? Captain I didn't Pike. Know that. Yeah. He was a handsome guy, man. Yeah, he was a good actor, too. Yeah, he was good. Dude, he's great in the searchers. Him and John Wayne's back and forth is awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. So, so guys, yeah, we're. I'm not saying personally that I have a problem with remakes, or I think people shouldn't remake them. I think inspiration is very important. We all get inspired by something. Every now and then, somebody's got an original idea, but everyone's ran out of them at this point. Look at Hollywood, guys. So yeah, that's um, true. So inspiration's good. I think Sergio. I think he did a good job. Um, he's one of the best directors, and you know, guys, look at Tarantino. Tarantino borrows stuff from all kinds of crap. There's tons of sin- guys who like Tarantino. You also love a ton of great 
Japanese directors and writers, all right? And a ton of Italian filmmakers as well, guys. You also would like them too. So that's all I got to say on it. Two great films. Nice to sit them side by side and really see how similar they really are because they are very guys. Check them out if you haven't. What you got to say, Jamie? I think the uh, the Bare Naked Ladies said it best in the song One Week. Oh, yeah, and they're talking about Kurosawa. Yeah, they films. say, like, Kurosawa, I make mad films. K, I don't make films, but if I did, they, they'd have a they samurai. they have a samurai. That's, <laughs> that's what right. they say. I, I think that's all you can say, right? That Such a good song. <laughs> it's been one week since you looked at me. And you know what's funny? I just heard that song because I was watching the first American Pie. And oh, okay. It's on in there. And I wow. was like, yo, I was like, they totally talk about Kurosawa in this song. And then he said it. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I was right. I was yeah. like, I wasn't imagining that. Yeah. We'll definitely have to have a high school. Yeah, like American Pie is a great film. Great, great film. Yeah. And you know, it's what bothers me, cancel culture real quick. Yeah. People are saying, dude, that movie, they're like, that movie uh-uh, didn't age well. I'm it's like, not supposed to. Yeah, I'm like, bro. They're about teenagers. of the time. Yeah, yeah it's but- reflective of teenagers and the time period of said teenagers. Yeah, like the late 90s. Like, that's the stuff they say in there. Everyone said that back then, guys. It is what it is. Yeah, because I was, I graduated high school around that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that's why I love that movie, dude. I envy you so much because, like, <laughs> I always was like, bro, I was born 10 years too late. Like, bro, if I could have like been like a teen teen through the 90s, mm. oh, would have been the best. Being a teen teen in the 2000s was whack. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, y'all got way better stuff. You had, you were what, like 17 in 1999? Me? Yeah. I was, believe it or not, I was, uh, I was actually 21. 21 in 99, yeah. bro. That's the perfect age to be 21. Yeah. Perfect year, dude. Yeah. Oh, so much good content was coming out. Yeah. The world was changing in a cool, interesting new way. Dude, that was perfect. I mean, you don't drink and party, no, but if no. you did, yeah. you would have partied like it's 1999. 2000-0-0. Yes. Party over, oops, out of time. Out of time, baby. <laughs> but guys, I'm Dom. I'm Jamie. And thank you for watching The Cutting Room 4.